November 30th. Welcome to Flames Talk with Vickers. I'm Steinberg. We're here at the Scotiabank Saddledome on a Flames game day with a Flames trade. Nikita Zadorov is a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Welcome to the hour. Here's the deal. The Flames get a 2024 fifth round pick and a 2026 third round pick from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for defenseman Nikita Zadorov. So Zadorov goes inside the Pacific to Vancouver for a fifth and a third. Um, and Zadorov no longer a member of the Flames. So it took, geez, about two, three weeks for the trade request to come out and be fulfilled by the Flames. Yes. Uh, and that's the news that we are reacting to right now. Text line, jump in at 960-960. I'm curious as to what you think of this trade for the Calgary Flames. Again, if you're just joining us, we are just uh, getting caught up on this. It just happened. It's just after 4 o'clock Calgary time on Thursday, November 30th. And Nikita Zadorov is a member of the Vancouver Canucks, a uh, third and a fifth round pick coming back for the Calgary Flames from Vancouver. Um curious i'm curious as to your initial reaction think on that for a second my initial reaction is my my guess was it was going to be a couple of draft picks um i was a little i was a little surprised when everybody was talking about um the fact that trades had been stalled and weren't and and trade talks weren't taking place because that's why um when when it was mentioned a little earlier this week on the show i was like i that last i heard is that especially on the zadorov front that's still very much uh on the front burner and i had heard as early as early this week that there was still some significant um I'm trying to think of the right words still significant discussions being had on the Zadorov front so um you know there had been some reports from around the league that maybe the Flames had geared back and I was like maybe on some of them but I think Zadorov is still very much on the front burner and so my initial feel when his trade request came out is if they could get uh, a second and something else that would be a good ballpark they get a third and a fifth when it's all said and done and I know there's a lot of people that have already seen it on the text line um, saying, why why not wait to see if you can get more? My only answer to that is I do wonder how much of a distraction yeah. overall the Zadorov thing was having. I know the team is playing much better. They're having a really strong month of November as they get set to finish off the month of November against the Dallas Stars tonight uh, on this Thursday. But I, I do, just from a few people I've talked to, that, that has been hanging over the team and has been the, just the entire Zadorov thing. Him not wanting to be here anymore. Him wanting to be elsewhere. The whole speculation. I, I do believe that they were hoping to rectify this situation as soon as possible my initial thought on the third and a fifth is okay I had a second in something else so it's ballpark-ish maybe a little bit lower than what I had ballparked right from the get-go yeah for me I would understand pausing any sort of trade talks or contract talks with the likes of Elias Lindholm Noah Hannafin Chris Tanev 
but when Nikita Zadorov's agent comes out and tweets post game when you're in the hockey mecca of Toronto with your team in there saying our client has requested a change of scenery and then the trickle down effect from that again both the attention that it would have gotten being in Toronto the nature of the text where it had mentioned get your tickets Leafs fans or something along those lines a trade request doesn't necessarily mean you pause the situation like you would the Lindholm, Hannah, Fintana for me. That was one that you would continually have trade talks on because, as you mentioned, it's just going to be a distraction. It's going to grow. And what's interesting, at the time of the trade request, it was what? We were two weeks removed about from Nikita Zadorov coming out to us in the media here in Calgary saying, we got to play more. As, we can't play as individuals and then the trade request comes out, which is kind of, a, in, in my sense, is a bit of it. Like every man's got to do what's right for himself first and foremost. I firmly believe that. But to me, a trade request is as individualistic as it gets sort of from that stage. So I can imagine how that might rub teammates the wrong way, how it might be a distraction for the organization going forward. So continuing down the path of moving Nikita Zadorov, despite pausing things from some other guys makes complete sense for me. And then in terms of the return, I n- was never in the camp of, oh, I can't wait to see what first-round pick they get for Nikita No, Zdorov. I never thought a first-round pick was, uh, was, was on in the, the table or, or in play. So when I look at it, the third and the fifth, I'm okay with. It's kind of eerily similar to the acquisition cost when the Calgary Flames under Brad Treliving went out and acquired Zadorov from the Chicago Blackhawks. They gave up a late third-round pick. It was actually Toronto's third-round pick acquired in the David Riddick deal a year prior, I believe it was. Um, so this isn't monumental. Is Nikita Zadorov today a better player than when the Calgary Flames first acquired him? I, I do believe that. But given circumstance, given um, the fact that he's a pending unrestricted free agent who has requested a trade who... I, and again, I'm not in the dressing room, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know what kind of distraction it is for the players, but I imagine it didn't sit well with the organization as a whole. So the return to me, would you have liked a second? Absolutely. Do I think you were squeezing out a second and an additional asset? I don't know if that's necessarily a price I would pay for Nikita Zadorov. Um, I, uh, first of all, I, I have zero issue with the trade being in the division, especially as a pending unrestricted free agent. The, the word all along was, everything that I was led to believe was that Vancouver and Toronto were the two front runners yeah. on this. And, and so um, Vancouver being the destination does not surprise me in the slightest. Um, the initial reaction that I'm seeing on social media, uh, that I'm seeing on, on our text line, is that this is too low um, and that it's an underwhelming return. I will say that I, I don't know if I would chalk it up as an overwhelming return, um, but I of, of the four, I always felt like Zadorov was going to be the least of the returns um, just because of where he sat on the depth chart, what he is in this, you know, I, I think Zadorov is a number four five defenseman. That's that's what I look at him as. Um, I think he's got upside to be a second pair guy. I do. Uh, he's got good skating. We know the physicality he brings. Um, so I am not as uh, I'm not as underwhelmed as some are. I will suggest that I'm not overwhelmed, but I'm not as underwhelmed as some are. I uh, I look at it and I say to myself. I was thinking like second and a fourth. Third and a fifth is what it ends up being. I, I, I guess I, I don't think it's a horrible trade. I think that there is some benefit in moving the player out because I do think that it was starting to become something where it was 
trying to think of the right word. I think it was uncomfortable for the player and has been uncomfortable for the player since the trade request, and that's on his agent. Had, had the agent not gone public, the discomfort would have been significantly less. I grant you that. But I think it was important to move the player out if they could, and I think the un, the, the discomfort that the player was uh, feeling also led to some discomfort in the room. And I, I, I get that they were uh, that they are winning, but I think that the uh, ability to move on from this player, and Nikita was a really good member of the Flames, a really solid member of the Calgary Flames, and I think if you're a Flames fan, you tip your hat to him and say, you know, thank you for, what, three-plus good seasons or whatever it's been, uh, two-plus good seasons. Yeah. Uh, he's been a real neat member of the Flames. He's been a really outspoken member of the Flames. So I tip my hat to him and say thank you. But um, – I do think that the deal needed to be made. I do think that they needed to do something. Uh, and, and this is the one that I think they needed to keep on the front burner. And everything that I'd been led to believe over the last couple of weeks is that it remained on the front burner. Front burner. So here we are. Zadorov's a member of the Vancouver Canucks. The Flames get a third and a fifth. I, I, I thought second and a fourth. I never felt like a um, full-on like impact player was coming back in a Zadorov trade. I ballpark second and a fourth, so I, I don't hate this one. I know a lot of people do, and that's fine. I, I don't hate a couple of draft picks for Nikita Zadorov, um, but I also would say I'm not overwhelmed by the return uh, at initial blush either. For me, just looking at the depth chart, Nikita Zadorov, when the full complement of Calgary Flames defensemen were, are, when were and are available is the number five on the depth chart behind Chris Tanev, and he leaves the Calgary Flames this season, having played 21 games, one goal, five assists for six points, minus six, averaging almost 18 and a half minutes of ice time. So if you take a look around and going, okay, well, what are number fives worth? And okay, is he, if he's a number five here, is, is there a potential that he's a number four or number three in Vancouver? I, I can't say off the top of my head, is there room for his game to grow in Vancouver? Quite possibly. But he was a number five defenseman and a third and a fifth round pick for a pending unrestricted free agent defenseman that's fifth on your depth chart. Again, I'm, I'm kind of like you where a second and a fourth would have made this go down a lot easier. But at the same time, it's not far off from where I would have had pinpointed or projected. I, I honestly would have looked at it and went second rounder flat as opposed to a second and a fourth. So third and a fifth is kind of in that wheelhouse when you go back to draft day going, what's it take to go from a third round pick to a second round pick. Usually you're adding in a fourth or a fifth round pick live on the fly. So I kind of equate a third and a fifth to a second. So it kind of fits. We also now the thing that's interesting in this deal is the third round pick the Calgary Flames receive isn't for another two plus seasons. It's the 2026 draft. Whereas they get the fifth rounder in 2024, the upcoming draft this June. Um, Lots of texts, lots of texts at 960-960. Let me read you the quote from Craig Conroy. We are working on bringing Craig onto the program. We are hoping to have him join us at some point, either this hour on Flames Talk or next hour, the second hour on Flames Talk maybe potentially on the pregame show as well, um, and uh, could, could also do that. Uh, Flames play the Dallas Stars. Let's just um, let's just dive in on some of these texts. Um, this says he was an easier move to shed some salary to bring up the young AHLers waiting and to allow guys like Coronado come up to help on the power play and get some scoring going. They were tight on the cap and a third and the fifth is a good move. That comes from Cole. Uh, this says why wouldn't they get closer to the trade deadline? What precedent is set now? You're unhappy so the agent goes to social media. He gets what he wants and the Flames get a crappy return. Um, I 
I don't, and then it's just terrible. I don't, I don't read it like that at all. Um, most agents don't go about their business that way. Um, Noah Hannafin's agent or Michael Backlund's agent uh, or Elias Lindholm's agent, agent, there's never been any public trade requests there put in by those agents. Dan Milstein is an agent that, has done this historically. There are a couple of others who like to use Twitter and the media as a way to leverage their clients. I think Alan Walsh and and Darren Ferris are both ones that come to mind that have gone... that have gone public with this stuff. Uh, by the way, I was going to read you that quote from yes. Craig Conroy. I'm sorry. It's a little all Don't worry. Place. I teed it up just in case you were. Uh, uh, this says, quote, first, I'd like to thank Nikita for his commitment to the Flames and his professionalism through this process. Our hockey operations group works every day to find opportunities that make our team better today and for the future. This trade provides us with important draft assets, cap space, and the opportunity for another one of our young prospects to prove himself in the NHL, end quote. So that comes from Craig Conroy before we get back to the text line. And that's a, a very important fact to keep in mind too, whether it happens today or down the road, that this opens up a roster spot for the likes of uh, Ilya Soloviev or another young prospect, even just giving the Calgary Flames a little bit more cap flexibility and just ensure number flexibility to, to call up another forward maybe if they deem fit. Right now as it stands on the roster, they've got six with the recall of uh, Jordan Osterley yesterday or the day before. So there's still some maneuvering to be done there. But at the end of the day, if you're a young defenseman playing in, well, in Calgary for the Wranglers, there's one less player on the main roster that you're going to be fighting with and competing with for ice time. And this is your opportunity to seize perhaps an opportunity for at least a look, if not a bigger role in the NHL. Uh, This says... People seem to have way too high expectations for Zadorov's return. He's a third-pairing D that makes lots of mistakes. Time for more youth. Uh, this says very underwhelming. Vancouver's desperate for a D-man, and the best he got was a fifth and a third in two to three years. I understand he needed to go, just dislike the return. This says, what's the point of that? Nothing Conroy does make any sense. Two players have ran the show, forced bad trades. A third in 2026 is ridiculous. That's like getting a prospect in 2030. Uh, tip our cap to him. Pat, you've lost your mind. Maybe you liked his drama as a media member, but as a fan paying into the five figures for the last few years on season tickets, your comment is disrespectful. Disrespectful? Uh, okay. Settle down, 780 area code. Nothing I said you. was disrespectful. What a lame text. Um, I, I'm allowed to say that Nikita was a good flame. That's not disrespectful. That's a ridiculous text. Uh, this says Zadorov trade is addition by subtraction. Multiple picks for our talented scouting staff to work with and cap space with no player coming back. Thumbs up to Conroy and staff. I like the move. That comes from Hill in Thorncliff. Um... This from Tom and Cedarbray. I think the cap space they freed up by not bringing a player back is pretty valuable. It's that flexibility they need could help with other deals down the road. Um, this say the fl- says the Flames play Vancouver on Saturday too. Ooh, that is true. Juice. Flames play Dallas on Thursday night, and then Saturday they're at home to Vancouver with Zadorov in the lineup. Let's just check Vancouver's schedule real quick, just to see where they might be over the course of the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours. They are. Oh, I have to flip the uh, calendar to December because, as you had previously mentioned, that was before we restarted <laughs> the show. My bad. Uh, yeah, their next game is in Calgary. I would imagine that they would make the travel on the Friday 
So does Nikita Zadorov even leave the city prior to meeting up with his teammates for the first time? Probably. Probably want to go and back. practice with your team for the first time. Well, they might have a scheduled off day, Patrick. That's I'm not true. privy to this information as it stands on the fly. Uh, Mike in Lake McKenzie says fans need to take a step back and realize that we as fans don't set the market on the RFAs and or on individuals who demand trades. I'm sure Conroy got exactly what the market bears for a fifth or sixth defenseman. People have to relax. Well, on that note, too, I don't imagine that... Craig Conroy would have went to one of 31 other teams and said this guy's available. I imagine that the NHL as a whole was widely aware, particularly because of the fact that it was such a public trade request that Nikita Zadorov was on the market. 31 other teams would have had the option and ability so to submit their bid, if you will, if you want to call it that, for the services of Nikita Zadorov. And I'd have to think that this was the best offer that Craig Conroy received, particularly because it's in division. Again, I don't really care on a pending unrestricted free agent whether it's in division or out of division but it's not like there were better offers that would have been turned down for for no reason that was the market that that's what the market was willing to pay on a pending unrestricted free agent Nikita Zadorov that's what the Calgary Flames were going to get uh this says he didn't want to be here they got two draft picks for the future which is good they also free up cap space so if they want to trade for someone they have room under their salary cap he was making 3.75 million uh this says Flames fans, Zadorov's nothing, nothing more than a third pair D. Flames fans, after trading Zadorov, Flames should have gotten more for a middle pair D. Uh, this says, um, Guy Z was out at the end of the season regardless, right? And if he wanted to stay, what would his price tag be? Probably would have been at around the same dollar figure. Just on a, I, I believe the the conversation. I, I believe that when they last talked, Zadorov was looking for a six. Um, year deal, six year deal yeah. in that range, five six year deal is what Zadorov was, was looking, looking for, for a long term commitment. Yeah, and 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 that was because I do believe he wanted to stay here. Uh, the Flames just weren't willing to go down that road at the current time. And so what I what I think happened on the Zadorov situation that led to a trade request. What I what I believe happened is Zadorov wanted to stay. I believe they kind of felt like they were being proactive and saying we're willing to stay like we'd like to have a conversation about a long-term deal um they said we're not ready to do that right now we got to figure out tana uh, not tana hannafin and and lindholm and we can't be committing longer deals right now until we figure out some the other direction, things yeah and and then that mixed with the fact that um they, they, I don't want to say they got rebuffed, but they just kind of said, we're not ready to do that right now. And then he was playing and has been playing on a third pair. I think it kind of led to the, the realization in, in the Zadorov camp's mind that, well, maybe this isn't the place that we should be because we're trying to get a big payday and unrestricted free agency. And if we're not going to get a long-term deal in Calgary right now and he's pay, playing on the third pair that's not going to help boost his value so let's see if we can move him elsewhere i think that was their thinking not saying that you should agree or not i just think that was their thinking uh go ahead this comes via logan gordon via rick dollywell zadorov will not play for the canucks tonight joins the team tomorrow so he will go there and then come back unless he's joining the team after they arrive we'll find out so he'll play his first game is against the flames yes quite interesting. little wrinkle, right? Um, this says, I'd have taken a bag of pucks for Z. Massive defensive liability. Stop pumping his tires. Watch Vancouver miss the playoffs. Uh, this says, bad trade on new on um, Conroy got fleeced. I don't know what the N is. Bad trade. Conroy got fleeced. So oh, I think N is Nikita. Zadorov was the only one that had the jewels to stand up and tell the room they needed to get their head out of their butts. Um, 
This says, garbage on Zadorov. Rather have the grumpy player. His agent must be disappointed. This is what his version of the best D-man in the Flames is only worth that. That's from Buff and Kelowna. Um, this says, um, now that we've seen Zadorov traded, what would be a good or bad trade for Tanev if they did that? I think that is a guy that you wait for because Tanev's not a distraction or is not a potential distraction. I, I I do believe that the Zadorov situation, I don't believe it became untenable, but I do believe it was a it was an it was not a non-factor in the locker room. There was a lot of frustration with the way all of it transpired with some of Zadorov's public comments and then a public trade request. Um, I, I think that it had become quite uncomfortable for Zadorov as well, and when you're uncomfortable a little bit, that can make things as overall less comfortable and cohesive in a room. That's why I. That's why I like that was a front burner thing, and it never got taken off the burner. Yeah, that um, wasn't a situation where you're lumping Nikita Zadorov in with the other pending unrestricted free agents on the Calgary Flames. The second that an agent very publicly tweets. My client no longer wants to be a member of the Calgary Flames organization. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's the gist of it. Suddenly, that situation becomes different, and you certainly treat it differently, and you differentiate it between the likes of your other pending unrestricted free agents who you may or may not have made your mind up on as you try to figure out the direction of the organization moving forward. The other thing is, I mean, Zadorov's trade request going public did kind of take away... I think the Flames were able to wrestle back some of the leverage, but... They didn't have enough time to wrestle it all back. I just the, – the thing that you have – look, I don't think it's an overwhelming return. I don't. I think it's a fine return. It's a little bit lower than what I had ballparked publicly. I was second and a fourth. They get third and a fifth. Okay, so, like, it's a little bit lower than what my ballpark was for them. The whole idea of Craig Conroy's a horrible GM because this is the deal – I do think you have to take into account a couple of things. Milstein made it so that they had less leverage. I think it was going to take months to wrestle leverage back. And because it was public and because there was some discomfort and stuff inside that locker room, it kind of had a little bit more of a fire lit on getting something done sooner rather than later. And so all those things probably made it a little bit more difficult for people to be sitting here uh, making shirts up about in Connie we trust after one trade. Now, for everybody who says he's 0 for 2 on trades, I disagree vehemently. I still think the Toffoli trade was quite well done. Um, I think getting a much younger Sharon Govich, who's actually turned into a pretty important player on the team after a slow start and a third-round pick, I got no problem with the Toffoli trade. I really don't. Anybody who thought Toffoli was getting him a first-round pick is just that that wasn't happening um and they could have waited all summer long and they could have gone into this season a 30 plus year old Tyler Toffoli wasn't getting him that so to say that the he's 0 for 2 on trades I I disagree I I, I still think the Toffoli trade was a solid one this one is kind of a meh yeah I understand the circumstances it's not super overwhelming but it's, uh, it, it also helps solve a little bit of an issue for him. And I'm not going to say Sharon Govich has produced at the same clip as Tyler Toffoli has in New Jersey. That'd be ridiculous. But in terms of even strength points, Tyler Toffoli entering action last night, I believe, had 11 even strength points versus 8 for Sharon Govich. Toffoli's playing a little bit more at even strength as well. So when you factor in actual ice time, not, I, but again... Tyler Toffoli has been absolutely dynamic on the power play in terms of his shot and 
being able to produce goals for that power play, and there's no secret the Calgary Flames power play has been struggling. But on the whole, I don't think it was as disastrous as a lot of it's made out to be that Tyler Toffoli for Sharon Govich trade back at the draft. Um, there's so many texts. We'll get to them as our program rolls along. Right now, we've got the Daily Flames roundtable coming up. So we'll continue talking about the Nikita Zadorov situation. Um, if you're joining us live, here's the situation. Flames have traded Nikita Zadorov to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a third and a fifth round pick. The third round pick is in this year's draft. No, it's, the third round pick is in Sorry, 20. sorry. The fifth round pick is in this year's draft from Chicago. That's the... Uh, pick that Vancouver received in the Anthony Beauvillier trade, which seems very clear is that was a trade to make this trade. It seems like one was a shoe to fall for another. Um, so the Flames get that fifth round pick in the Beauvillier trade. That's a 2024 fifth, and then which would be a high fifth. That makes a difference to you. Um, and then they get a 2023, 2026 third round pick. A 2026 third round pick, which will be Vancouver. No salary retention. Zadorov goes from Calgary to Vancouver and uh, joins the Canucks. Will not play Thursday for the Canucks. Will play Saturday for the Canucks against... The Calgary Flames. The Calgary Flames. Here Nikita, at Scotiabank Saddledome. Nikita Zadorov's Vancouver Canucks debut will be here at the Scotiabank Saddledome against his old team. Not that this matters at all, but when I was really, really young, and, and I grew up in northern Alberta, so the Edmonton Oilers were the closest team by proximity, and they traded somebody, and that player's first game was against the Oilers. So I thought there was a standing rule in the NHL that if you got traded, your first game had to be against your former team. Learned a little bit later that, you know what, that might not actually be a true thing. But I always love it when you get that immediate revenge game, whether it be team versus player or player versus team. I just want to read this one text. Old rumors were Zadorov traded to Toronto for a first and two prospects, Nick Robertson and Nick Abruzzi, with Klingberg coming back for cap space. Let me tell you, if that deal was actually on the table, they would have made that deal. Yeah. It's not It's not like they were like, you know what, this deal that involves a first-round pick, like, this is why you can't listen to Instagram accounts that put a picture up and say, some guy on the street told me what this, like, because that was never true. So, yes, of course, if that was an actual trade that was on the table, the Flames would have taken it. So you can't sit here and say, well, if that trade was on the table, and they, t do you think Craig Conroy doesn't know how to count that a first-round pick isn't, like, come on, you can't throw what some stupid Instagram account told you was going to be a trade and then throw it back at our face when we say, yeah, you know, it's not the worst return in the world for Nikita Zadorov when we're talking in the real world. It makes no sense. Let's take a break. Daily Flames Roundtable's next. Uh, I want to tell you about the spirit of giving, which is going on right now. Um, hey, look, whether we agree or disagree on Nikita Zadorov, whether you think the Flames could have got a first and two top prospects from Toronto or not, fact of the matter is, it's the holiday season. It's the last day of November and uh, the spirit of giving is such a huge, huge part of the mustard seeds collection. Uh, so what we're doing is we are collecting things like new underwear, socks, jackets, boots, gloves, then personal hygiene things like razors, toothbrushes, deodorant. We're collecting all these things and uh, over the next month until the end of December, we're going to take this, uh, collect it, and then hand off to the Mustard Seed. And the Mustard Seed is going to use all of your generous donations to help 
people all 2024 long. What we collect, what you help us collect in the next month is going to be massive for what the mustard seed does in the calendar year of 2024. If you would like to help us out, A, we'd love it. B, drop stuff off at our downtown studio on 7th Ave or any McManus Group Auto, a McManus Auto Group location. Um, all the info at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Thanks to our friends at the McManus Auto Group as well. And uh, for a full list of addresses, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's dive in on our Daily Flames Roundtable now. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. Okay, it's uh, Steinberg Vickers and now Derek Wills joins us uh, of, uh, well, of, of Calgary Flames play-by-play fame. Um, he walked in in the middle of our conversation about Nikita Zadorov. Um, if you're if you're wondering, um, what a lo- it's a game day down here. If you're not listening live, and uh, on game days, Derek usually goes for a walk at around you know sometime between four and four thirty. Goes um, gets himself a coffee. Yeah, just goes for never a nice brings little... me one. Of course, today is the day I went at two thirty. Oh, you were because I was gone for a little while, so I did not know what happened. Then I walk in and you. You still think I can read lips after all this You're time, really but poor I at I'm lips. really bad really at it. Poor at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I found out when I walked back into the hot stove lounge, so uh, it's been become an interesting day. Uh, if you're wondering what finding out means, it means that Nikita Zadorov has been traded to the uh, Vancouver Canucks from the Calgary Flames. So Zadorov to the Canucks uh, in exchange for a 2024 fifth round pick. That is Chicago's fifth round pick and a 2026 third round pick. Um, and I guess the, uh, the, the easy place to start would be Vix and I have had a little bit of time to do instant reaction. And now we're kind of starting to wrap our heads around it. Uh, a little bit more instant for you still. What's uh, your initial thought on Nikita Zadorov to the Vancouver Canucks? Well, big picture, I'd be lying if I said I was blown away by the return. Uh, I thought they would get a little bit more. But with that said, I do wonder if making this deal was as much about the return the Flames got as it was about moving on from a player who made it public that he wanted to move on. And I thought Nikita Zadorov was having a really good season prior to his agent Dan Milstein going public with that trade request following the Flames 5-4 shootout loss to the Maple Leafs back on November 10th. And since then, I think he's been a different player and not a better player. Goalless with one assist in the last nine games, and goals, assist, and points don't tell the whole story, especially when you're talking about a defenseman. But for me, his play has really fallen off. And you know, for a guy who's been a distraction for this team at times, I feel like the trade request became a distraction for him. So uh, I don't love the return. I don't think it's a bad return, and only time will tell uh, what the third and fifth round picks turn into. Uh, but I think this was as much about moving on from a player who wanted to move on from the team as anything else. Yeah, from uh, the asset standpoint, in my mind, trying to calculate when the trade request came out, okay, what are you going to get for Nikita Zadorov? And I'm not as high on Zadorov as most. I think he has a lot of dynamic skills that the Calgary Flames need. You pointed out off-air that the physicality that he brings is certainly one of them, and that'll be 
arguably one of the biggest things that the Calgary Flames miss in losing Nikita Zadorov. But in trying to pinpoint Engage's value, I would have been fine with a second-round pick and nothing else. It doesn't need to be a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth or whatnot. So when you look at the breakdown and you go a third and a fifth-round pick, well, what's the cost of doing business on the draft floor when you're trying to move up X number of spots? Mm-hmm. It's usually a pick in the next round or the round afterwards. So it, I don't have to squint too hard to turn a third and a fifth into a second-round pick, which would have been my expectation in terms of the return. So as like you, I'm not over the moon or blown away or shocked at how much value they got out of Nikita Zadorov, but I don't think it's far off from what the market was willing to pay for him to start with. It's funny, just as you're saying that, Vix, um, an email comes in um, that in, into our internal service, and uh, Kevin Weeks um, says uh, the Maple Leafs uh, were looking to – bring Zadorov in as well, but they needed salary retention. Uh, and so there's no salary retention going to Vancouver. Uh, there is salary retention that would have needed to happen in Toronto. And so uh, that probably made it so that the offer that the Maple Leafs were putting on the table wasn't enough when you also take into, like, third and a fifth from Vancouver, third and a fifth from Toronto with retention, well, you're going to take Vancouver because you'd rather not retain the salary if, if you could. So, and and, and that's, sorry not to interrupt, but yeah. that's even more from a future-looking stance as well because you can only retain on so many contracts. So if you're going to make a move Very elsewhere, true. you're going to... That's actually a really good point, that you can only retain one. Uh, everyone you make. Not quite as good as Wes, but oh. uh, only because that's an ongoing joke from earlier <laughs> this week. Um, you can only retain salary on three. So by not retaining salary on Zadorov, that means you can retain on any one of the remaining unrestricted free agents in Tanev, Hannafin, or Lindholm. So that's also uh, an important uh, little caveat to the whole thing. I, I, what I had, I had when, when we talked about it, when this first came out, and we were talking about Zadorov on, on an every-other-day basis, second and a fourth is like could you get a second and a fourth could you if you waited to the deadline could you maybe get a second and a third well they they definitely had to do something sooner rather than later this never came off the front burner this has been something that that conroy's been i believe working on non-stop and looking to satisfy because as much as they wanted to wait wilsey i i also think it became pretty clear that waiting wasn't going to be the best thing for everybody involved either. So trying to find that happy medium of getting it done in a somewhat timely fashion and still getting a good return. So second and a fourth, third and a fifth, it's it's not I'm not overwhelmed by it, but I also don't think they've been ripped off or anything like that. I, I think it's it's a fine trade if you ask me. Yeah, and I mean between absences and injuries and suspensions and long losing streaks and talk of a rebuild or a retool there's been a lot of noise around this team this season, and making this trade eliminates some of that noise. It's one of your pending UFAs. It's a guy who's been a distraction two or three times this season. So I think there's some value in that as well. And if if there were some issues in the dressing room and you remove someone who was potentially causing some of those issues, I think it gives you a better opportunity to figure out who you are as a team. Are you the team that started 2-7-1 and one in your first 10 games? Or are you the team that has gone 7-3-2 and two in 12 games since then? And what they do with those other big pending UFAs, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, and Chris Tanev, might depend on how this team performs over the next month or two or leading up to the NHL's trade deadline. And uh, if they do decide to go in the direction of a rebuild or I think more likely a retool, if 
things don't go well for the team on the ice in the next uh, month or more, it doesn't mean the Maple Leafs are off the table. And when I look at the Canucks and I look at the Maple Leafs, the Maple Leafs have more prospects that I'm interested in than the Canucks do. So if you were to move one or more of those other two guys or three guys uh, to Toronto, uh, I think you could potentially get back uh, more NHL-ready prospects than you could from Vancouver. But uh, the first of the four dominoes has fallen, boys. You make a good point about removing... There's been so much distraction. You mentioned injury, pending unrestricted free agents, six-game losing streak, retool, rebuild, or or see it out, and who wants to be around for it. This is just the first step in in quieting things. And given the fact that the pending unrestricted free agents that remain, we're just going to go into a holding holding pattern right now and see what the team tells us. You'll take your cue from the team, whether it's going to require a rebuild or retool or if you can be competitive moving forward this is just one of those things that you're removing from the elements to to quiet things down a little bit and i'm not going to speak for any member of the calgary flames but if aaron vickers is playing on a team and the guy beside him doesn't want to be there anymore that's going to rub me the wrong way so it's just removing one more element or issue that could cause the distraction or the noise that the calgary flames have faced this year well and then the other thing you're doing is clearing up some cap space which also gives you some flexibility yes. depending on which way you want to go. If it, allo- you, it, it, it allows you to bring in a big name, if, you, if that would be yep. something, that, but also allows you to take well, on some contracts, yeah, weaponize your cap space. That's what I mean. It, it really does open some doors, yep. and it doesn't really pigeonhole you as far as, well, if we don't have cap space, we can't do this if we decide to, to push for a playoff spot or if we decide to potentially start a retool and uh, are willing to take on some, some bad money or some money uh, to, mm-hmm. to bring in some picks or prospects. So uh, th- there's that side of it as well. And salary ca- uh, cap space has become a very valuable asset in today's NHL. So I think that uh, that's worth considering as well. Uh, it's our Daily Flames roundtable. Derek, Aaron, Pat, along with you. Um so it is a $3.75 million contract that comes completely off the cap. It moves. Uh, now the Flames are in LTIR, so uh, they, they might have some finagling to do. It might allow them to come out of LTIR and start banking some cap space again, which is something they haven't been able to do since the start of the season. Um, but Zadorov to Vancouver for a third and a fifth. Okay, so that's the reaction to the deal itself. Now what, guys? Around the table, what does this do for um, – wh- how, how does this affect the Flames on the ice? What is the immediate impact on the ice with Zadorov no longer as a member of the team? Well, it looks like Jordan Osterley is going to play tonight. Yep. And it's been a while since uh, we've seen him. Uh, played four games at the start of the year after a really strong training camp and a preseason. And then you started to see some holes in his game. And they put him on waivers and he cleared it. And they sent him down to the Calgary Wranglers. And he's been a really good player for them. Eight points in 12 games. You recall him. And he's a guy who can certainly skate and join the rush and contribute offensively. Uh, defensively, he uh, does leave a little to be desired at times. I do wonder if the Flames would look to bring in a right-shot defenseman. It's funny because Ryan Huska talked about it this morning. Uh, he said in a perfect world, he would rather not have two right-handed defensemen on his first pairing uh, and two left-handed defensemen on his third pairing. Well, you take away Zadorov, a left shot. So now you've got Dennis Gilbert and Jordan Osterley, another left shot. I looked, uh, Ilya Soloviev's a left shot. Yep. Nick DeSimone's uh, left shot. 
So you got a lot of left shot D. So I wonder if they would add uh, a right shot defenseman. But what does it mean short term? I don't know. Uh, I don't think Nikita Zadorov has played particularly well since the trade request came out. So I'm not sure it's uh, going to leave a huge hole, but he is a top or was a top five defenseman on this team. So he does leave a hole to fill. Uh, and I thought he was playing really well before the trade request. That's the shame in, in all of this is that uh, he was a, a really effective player offensively and defensively and physically for this team. And um, they're, they're going to miss that, that physical aspect too because they don't have a lot of guys that, that play the way he does. Yeah, first thing first, it's going to test the depth of the Calgary Flames. And I'm curious to see whether it's in the short term or the long term if this gives Solovio another look at the NHL. And I didn't think he looked too bad in his brief audition coming up, what was it, a month ago at this point now. So I wonder if it frees up a little bit of a look at him, whether the Calgary Flames, you know, they've still got these assets, so they they can take a look around the NHL and see who else might be on the block to bring in too. It doesn't mean that just because one goes out doesn't mean another one can't come in. It gives the Calgary Flames plenty of options in terms of assets and cap space. But in the short term, as you mentioned, opportunity for Jordan Osterley right now, maybe something for uh, Soloviev down the road, and, and we'll see where it takes us. I, I do I do think that you know it, it obviously makes him a little less deep at an important position, but the the good news is from just a staying competitive right now standpoint this team has been carried by their top 4 zadorov is look zadorov is a is an important player on this team his physicality is something that, that nobody is going to replace nobody coming from the american league is going to be able to come up and and bring the type of um, body that he brings and and the intimidation that he can brings uh, he can bring rather some of his open ice hitting all that type of stuff uh, but they they are still insulated with their top 4 the only thing I worry about now is if one of those top four guys get hurt, gets hurt, yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, okay, because you were pretty comfortable putting Zadorov on a pairing with Uyghur. They play very well together. And you were pretty comfortable moving Zadorov into the top four if one of your, like when Anderson was suspended or uh, Tanev's been hurt in the past, those type of things. Now all of a sudden one of those guys get, get goes down. You're lucky you have Uyghur that can play both sides and play them both at a high level, but you're like, okay, so now is it Gilbert? Is it Osterley, is it DeSimone? Like, who goes into the top four now if one of those guys goes down? So that would be the only area where I think you're going to see. I, I don't think when everybody's healthy, you'll see a massive, massive step back competitive-wise. But if all of a sudden they do, Zadorov was a real nice insurance piece to have on your third pair. Yeah, and uh, to correct myself, Nick DeSimone is a right shot D. So a uh, bit of a brain cramp there, just uh, thinking about all the defensemen and which way they shoot. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen this season. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but boy, they sure could use Oliver Shillington right about now. Yeah, uh, I know he's another left shot defenseman, but he's a top four guy. Uh, so to your point, Pat, if uh, if you're trying to replace your number five, or if you run into an injury in your top four, he's a guy who certainly has the ability to to play that role. So uh, don't know where that's going, but uh, just a thought as we kind of talk about the Flames' defense and, and the depth they have without Zadorov. This is tongue-in-cheek, but it came in on the text line. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm going to rip it off like I'm some sort of genius, but it just reads, better get stone skating hard. And it huh. made me made me chuckle just a little bit, I won't lie. Michael Stone's right shot. Right shot. Yep. Stoner, what are you I'm doing? I'm sure he's still in great shape. He's a development coach for the Flames now. He's working with the prospects and uh, – 
He's got that bomb from the blue line yeah. that the Flames have locked on their power play. So, hey, you know, just putting two and two together. longer than this. Are you kidding he's me? He's only, what, 32 <laughs> as well? In season when he was signed. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, he's usually practicing and in game shape and all that type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, just re-sign Michael Stone. Very easy. If only we had some storylines going into Saturday's game against the Canucks. Oh, no doubt. And it's not like it's it's not like it'll even be he'll he'll get to have one game under his belt. He's not playing on Thursday night, so he will make his Canucks debut against the Flames in this building. You know that'll be a big story in a couple of nights. Uh, Nikita Zadorov debuts with the Canucks against the Flames. In they obviously didn't plan it this way, but that is very nice. Um, that's very nice karmic timing. It certainly is, and uh, that will be the big story, I'm sure, not only here in Calgary and uh, in Vancouver, but in the hockey world. And just checking the Canucks' schedule, they play tonight, so I'm guessing he's just going to stay here in Calgary. We're not sure. It's only an hour flight, but I understand they're going to fly in tomorrow. Yeah, they're going to fly in. He could practice with them tomorrow. In Calgary. Yeah. If they, if, if they, do, do we know they practice here tomorrow? I don't know that, but they play tonight, so I would the assume Flames, they would fly in tomorrow. The only reason I wonder is because the Flames are practicing at Max Bell on Friday, oh. so I wonder oh, if they, And maybe the Canucks were, practice at home yeah, and then fly that, Yeah, I could say. So which, I wonder if yeah, he probably takes, the plan. takes the old uh, WestJet or Air Canada to Van, goes, practices there, and then gets the nice charter out here um, and, and comes back to Calgary uh, for Saturday. Probably... <laughs> Probably gets on a flight or could get on a flight tonight. Yeah. Does uh, does Zadorov fight on Saturday? Do we get an AJ Greer Nikita Zadorov fight? I don't think so. That would be the only guy that would be the same size ish of him. Yeah, not even really close. Nobody's as big as he's the second biggest player in the league. Yeah. At six six two forty eight. I was gonna say, is he cracked? The I wouldn't say this, mark, he's the that's... second toughest guy in the league. AJ Greer can certainly handle himself. That wouldn't that be something? Just add to our list of storylines yeah. Saturday. You've got Flames Canucks, one of the great rivalries Hockey for the two Canada. teams. Hockey Night in Canada. Two teams playing pretty well right now. Yeah, interesting. Uh, that's your Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg. Daily Flames Roundtable wraps up this hour, and it's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 4Matic Coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.